most people are going to need somebody. Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change. The podcast will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. It's it's good to be here with Effective Heart Change. Matthew, it's good to have you join us. Nice to be here today. Thank you. So we're, we're going to jump in on a topic that I want to talk today. I, I call it two choices. And the two choices aren't what we think. So much of the time what people think is I'm either doing my evil stuff or I'm doing good stuff, and I really want to work hard to get myself to be my better self. And actually, what I would suggest to you is the two choices aren't between good and evil, which is the way we present it over and over and over again, as much as it is between God and not God. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about where we are, and we're going to go directly to some verses. And I'm going to actually use two different translations on this one because it's kind of needful. Uh, the one translation provides some complexity, but it's harder to understand, and the other one provides some simplicity, but not all the same detail. And I'm going to start with the New King James, which is for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, you, you get where I'm at already. The, the language is thicker. It's, it's harder. But the law of the spirit of life, let's, let's translate that right off. The control, the rule, I'm under law, I'm under authority, okay? The, the, the rule, the control, the authority of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Kind of replaced one law with another. Yeah, and so you, you get, okay, I'm either under the authority, under the power, the control of one, which is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, or I'm under the authority of the other one, which is the law of sin and death. And it sets up an either-or, and people really don't believe that. And here's how they don't believe that. If you go back and you start thinking about it, what do most people do? They believe, well, I'm just going to choose to do better today. Mm-hmm. All in, in self-power. Isn't that what most people, well, I, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand why I messed up. Well, the I don't understand why I messed up. Let's go back to the law of sin and death. We have to understand that to understand why I messed up. Why do people mess up? I think because we're sinners, and no matter, no matter how we try to do things without God, in my view, without God, we can't do it right, so we're bound to fail when we're doing it alone. So that's why I think that we continue to mess up. Well, the law of sin and death, what's interesting, it's not like it's expounded over and over again. It, it's kind of, this is a fairly unique phrasing, and so you're looking at that going, law of sin and death, what is that? The one place that I go back to that I, I believe it absolutely ties in it to is spiritual heritage. And so you have the Ten Commandments, and what's going on in the Ten Commandments, you have this idea of that the sins of the fathers are passed to the third and fourth generation. Now, again, let's back up and unpack that. People immediately go to the punishment is passed to the third and fourth generation. That's not what it says. It says the sin is passed to the third and fourth generation. 
And I'm going to take it back to even more generic than that. There's this thing called spiritual heritage. So you have a spiritual heritage that gets passed from one generation to the next. Now, again, I'm combining all kinds of topics here. So often people are angry at God because of outcomes. And why did this bad thing happen? Why did that bad thing happen? God created it so that we have the power to influence the next generation. Well, if we have the power to influence the next generation, that influence is actually real. Uh, I mean, would you really want a life where you have no ability to influence the next generation? No, and I think everybody, whether they believe in spirituality or not, they all want to influence the next one, and that's why you'll constantly hear people say, I'm going to do better for my kids, or I'm going to not do the what my parents did or my grandparents, and yet they continually start to fall into the same patterns. They'll call it patterns. What you're laying out is that exactly that, but from the spiritual view. So the patterns then become the law of sin and death. And there's this boundary, there's this force, there's this spiritual force going on that we are under, and we don't even know that we're under it because it's spiritual, and most of the spiritual stuff operates where? At that subconscious level. And because it operates at that subconscious level, we just think we made a bad choice. But the reality, if you go back to the Ten Commandments and you look at the laws of heritage, there's all kinds of forces going on that are pushing us to the right and the left and up and down and in and around. And most people aren't aware of that at all, so they just believe, well, I should have just made a better choice. Well, even Christians that have you know, read the Bible and have, that paid attention in church and have been you know, soaked in it for their whole life. They don't even necessarily think that way, even though it's laid out pretty well by Paul in Ephesians. He says, we don't fight a battle against flesh and blood. Well, it's the same thing, but people don't take it to that next step of what does it actually mean to be under sin and death versus the law of uh, freedom in Christ. I liken it to an airplane that's getting ready to take off, and that airplane, what? It needs lift. Well, the only way for that airplane to get lift is to get in motion, and when you get in motion and you've got the air going over the top of the wing and the bottom of the wing, and all of a sudden you create this upward lift because of the forward motion, that upward lift is what allows an airplane to take off. That's what this verse is describing, Romans 8, 2, where the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and again, the language doesn't say this, but lifted me above the power that is happening in the law of sin and death. We don't believe that. We, we, we have a much more egoistic view of, I, I just didn't do it. I just didn't choose to do it. Now, we've really been getting into some, some neat thoughts. Let's take a moment. I want you to digest it. We're, we're going to ask some questions, and then we'll be back. I spend a lot of time breaking down, okay, spiritually, you've got this going on, this going on, this going on. A recent packet that I wrote talks about uh, the first three layers, and one of those layers is safe. Well, what is that? If as a child I had had a basically peaceful environment, I had a rest environment, 
and I, I, things are kind of safe, then when fear stuff comes in, I've got a spiritual foundation in me. I've got some spiritual heritage. I had stuff that was handed off to me that I'm able to stand up to that fear, and I'm able to look at it and go, no, I'm not giving in to you, you fear. Now, I have the next person who comes along, and they're just not able to stand up the fear. Mm-hmm. And you look at that, and you're like, well, why, what's wrong with you? I can choose this. You should be able to choose this. So is this law only for believers? Is that a kind of a requirement to be elevated above that sin and death, or is that for the non-believer as well? Well, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about what I was just describing, that's kind of like universal principle stuff. And in fact, if you've got a baby who, who is growing up in the womb, and there's a joy, and there's a peace, and there's a positive anticipation, there's stuff getting laid down. There's a starting point there and now I'm talking about the law of sin and death side. There's stuff being laid down there that is positive, and so that, that baby is going to be in a much better place to just choose good things. If I have a baby that's growing up in this traumatic, messed up environment, that one, the law of sin and death, what's laid down in me spiritually is so much more negative. That child doesn't have a prayer of being able to just make good choices. So the law of sin and death ties in heritage, it ties in what I received, it ties in all kinds of different stuff to where, you know, you can look at one individual and, well, they can choose it, why can't you? Well, there's a lot of dynamics that go into that law of sin and death. And for some people, the law of sin and death is overwhelming in its amount and I can't just choose good. For other people, that's eh, pretty marginal. In fact, what was laid down in you spiritually in the early years was actually very, very good. So you have more power to choose than the person next to you. But ultimately, <laughs> there's this thing called spiritual warfare. And when spiritual warfare come, kicks in and the demonic realm is coming after you, Ultimately, there is a level of challenge that none of us can defeat. That's where the law of sin really takes over to where if the devil can get you once, then I go to John chapter 8, and you get the rest of the law of sin and death that whoever sins becomes a slave to sin. And you go to Romans 6, and it talks about the same thing. So the penalty when I sin is to do the same sin again. That's now my new tendency. And the other penalty for sin is, if I just do the same sin again, I'm not really happy with it. It doesn't really feel good at that particular point in time. So my new tendency is to not only do that same sin, but to do it to a greater degree. And it just gets easier and easier to keep doing it and to keep getting more perverse at it, too. Exactly. So I begin the law of sin and death. I, once I sin, I go down this negative road. So you've got a child who actually starts off with a good heritage. The parents are, are pouring good things in them, and so that child's more capable of making good choices. And, and hopefully what should happen, there should be a transition where that child begins to connect with God, connect with godly people, drink in life, because that's what's going on here. When you have the law of the Spirit, spirit of life in Christ Jesus, what does that mean? That means I'm under God's authority. 
I'm drinking in life. I'm taking in strength. I've got that airplane lift that I talked about. And because I've got that airplane lift, I'm able to, I'm just able to make good choices. Well, what happens? I kind of get accustomed to that. It kind of becomes my normal. Gets a lot easier. And so at a human level, I'm not even aware of any of the spiritual dynamics. So I'm like, well, I'm making good choices. What's wrong with you? And I'm not understanding any of those spiritual dynamics. So then I start to compare myself with other people. It becomes destructive. And those comparisons get me into a place to where now I'm just looking at this whole picture. And it's like, wow, I, I you know, this is how I live. I, I choose well. And I totally miss this understanding. So what I talk about is there's actually only two choices. One is to be under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and that can actually be divided out multiple ways. I can be connecting with godly people and bringing in life, and if I'm connecting with godly people and bringing in life, and sometimes that's even generational. might have been two generations back that they drank in life, and then what happened? Two generations back they drank in life, and they poured it onto the next generation in the form of the womb and the young childhood, and they built a godly heritage, and then that godly heritage gets passed down. Well, if it's two, three generations back, I really have no awareness that God has any part of it at all. So then I'm really looking at you going, you got problems. You should be able to just make a better choice. Because it's so much easier for that one person than for the other one that's had nothing but negative heritage laid down. Exactly. So then I start the comparison game. I start the belittling. Which is all sin in and of itself and seems like it's immediately undoing all of that setup. That takes me into performance. That takes me into pride, which actually then starts to set me up. Because once I go into performance and pride, it's only a matter of time. I go into comparisons. I go into all of those kinds of things. And the number one thing that cuts you off from the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is what? That spiritual pride where I can do it by myself. As soon as I start believing that I can just make good choices on my own, I put myself in a place where God's like, okay, have at it. See how it goes. Let's take a break and do some questions and process what we've been talking about. So for the person that's listening um, that is just not at that place where they can make those good choices on their own, or it just doesn't come natural to them, how do they start making the good choices? Because it's really easy to see what you're saying is right, but it's also really difficult, I think, to apply it without a, well, I have to do this. So how do you actually make the good choice? If I would boil it down to one word, it's receiving. And maybe another is spiritual authority. If you go back to that baby in the womb... When the baby's in the womb and they're receiving peace and they're receiving rest, and and so there's good spiritual stuff, and we're not even talking brain activity yet. I mean, yeah, it's brain activity. I'm not saying there's no brain activity, but it sure isn't thoughts the way we normally think about thoughts. So that baby is receiving those foundations. That's a picture of what needs to go on throughout a person's life. So if I'm 
struggling with a particular area, there may be something like safe. There may be something like the second layer that I talk about, which is love, acceptance, and belonging. Maybe I never really felt loved. I never really felt accepted. I never really felt like I belonged. Well, if I haven't had that, then when I face a choice, when I face a challenge, I'm operating from a spiritual deficit in terms of authority. And I've got this deficit going on. So if I've got someone out there that's like, why can't I make good choices? You start breaking down the kinds of things that I'm talking about. Well, there's this, there's this hole in your heart, so to speak, that needs to be filled up by the love of God. And sometimes it's not just the love of God. Sometimes it comes through people. I call it reflected light. I'm connecting with godly people. I'm connecting with people who have have that heritage, they have that thing within them, then they're able to come, they're able to share it with me, they're able to sow it into me. I think a lot of times of of women who, when they're getting ready to date, they don't have self-worth, they don't have any sense of wholeness or completeness in themselves, they're dating a guy who's a jerk and who's treating them awful but because of what they believe about themselves, and they've never really had that love and that acceptance and that belonging layer laid down, they're desperate for it. So if the guy is even giving them a few crumbs, what happens? They jump, and they get into an abusive relationship and a sick relationship, and they're like, why do I choose losers? Well, because there's a desperateness inside of you and unless or until that hole in your heart gets filled up and you're drinking in and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, unless you come under the influence and get into this place where you're receiving life and you get those layers strengthened and built up, I'm sorry, but the odds that you're going to choose someone who's going to abuse you is unbelievably high. It's a good reminder for dads out there of daughters to make sure to show them how a man should actually treat them and like that laying down that heritage and might make it a little easier for them to stay away from the bad guy. And that's a great start. But listen to what you said and I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to pick it apart, but you said how to treat them. Let me take it deeper than just treat. There's this there's this layer at the spiritual level. You can't give away what you don't have. So let's just say the dad grew up in a home where there was no worth, and he was treated badly, and he was kicked around, and so he's struggling with who he is, and he he doesn't feel good about who he is. It doesn't matter how hard that dad tries. It doesn't matter what that dad does in terms of behavior and performance and all of those kinds of things. You, A person who doesn't have any of that sense of worth it's going to be really hard for him to give that to his daughter. So the dad can't just treat her the right way. He can't just tell her about this stuff. At some point, he's got to create relationships or create, I don't even like that word, but get into relationships where he's receiving. He's getting into a point of getting that area built up in him so that he now has it to give away to his daughter. And what it seems like it comes back to is one of my first questions is, is does this law of sin and death and the law of, of Christ and life apply only to believers? And it kind of sounds like it does, because the only—now, uh, I, I mean, the sin and death is for the, is where everyone is at. 
until we make that choice to allow Jesus to help us. Because like you just said, if the dad has never received that acceptance, well, if he didn't receive it from any physical peace, if he doesn't believe in God and he's not even attempting, then he's not receiving it from the Lord. So then it would be a physical, spiritual impossibility. So he would have to, at some point, turn his life over. So the only way to get that freedom aspect is to turn your life over then and then you can start making those connections. Is that right or am I super wrong? Yes and no. I, I, let me divide it a little bit. Let's go back to James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, comes down from God. There is a level in our human condition, if, if it was as clean cut as you put it, then everybody would get it. But it's not that clean cut. If you go back to the generational piece, if three generations back, someone connected with God and they drank in life and there's a level of self-worth there and, and so there's some good stuff, but the next two generations didn't serve God, that life gets passed down to the next generation even though there's no overt serving of God. So then there's kind of a sense, you know, two, three generations later of, well, I can just do this. Well, yeah, you can, unless or until the spiritual authority gets great enough and it hits you at a high enough level, you can just borrow on that heritage that you received at a level where you can, you know, you're good. And so you look around, some people just, well, they're just able. Makes life a little bit easier. Ultimately, it's not going to save you, but you have a foundation that was laid down, even though you had nothing to do with it that just gives you that leg up without any doing on your own. Ultimately, the spiritual authority against you can get high enough where that spiritual heritage is not enough. So the law of sin and death doesn't just jump in and, and just destroy you immediately everywhere all the time. It's just kind of hanging around there. And so I've got some righteous heritage that I'm operating on. I've got some sinful heritage that I'm operating on. And some of the time I'm able to just, you know what, I'm just going to choose my righteous heritage. And there's no active involvement with God. I'm choosing that heritage. I'm getting kind of self-confident. I'm, I'm getting into that place. But what happens? Law of sin and death, every time I sin, I now have a tendency to do that sin again, except worse. Over life, if I don't have a source of life, if I'm not drinking in something on this other side, over life, not evolution, devolution, what's going to happen? I'm going to get worse and worse and worse as my life goes on. We don't believe that about ourselves. We believe that, well, I'm just going to grow. I'm just going to get better. Even if you're not connecting with God, if you're connecting with the right kinds of people, that can be true. And when you follow the lives of these self-made people, etc., invariably they had mentors along the way. They, sometimes it's even in the form of books or whatever, but they, they had people they were tying into, connecting, drinking from. And so that even, even these, quote, self-made people who seemingly just do all of this on their own, they're not even breaking this law. But you can drink in reflected light indirectly from godly heritage here, there, and everywhere, have that strength. And so now I have the illusion, I've got this power. But ultimately what I believe, if I'm not drinking in God's life, and it's all God's life, 
if I'm not drinking in God's life from somewhere, I can't continue to be that good person. In fact, I'm going to continue to get worse and worse as life goes on. That's the power of the law of sin and death. I I love what we've been talking about, some good stuff. We're going to pause for a moment, ask some questions, and then we'll continue. No matter how much, though, we're drinking in, whether it's the reflected light from others, you know, godly ones, the heritage from generations past, at the end of the day or at the end of our lifetime, it won't matter how much we drink in from old heritage or from other people, it still does come down to a choice to choose the Lord. And, and that's, your, that's what your build-up to is, though. When, when we're just not talking about being saved, we're talking about having that leg up, having that heritage of making right decisions, which is why, for me, it's so easy to say, oh, no, I'm not going to smoke, drink, or do that. But for somebody else, it's a near impossibility. Is that, is that right? Let's go to a complete different dimension. And here I go to Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of being a good person. No. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So let's go back to our two lives, and I'm a good person, I have good heritage, and et cetera, and I'm happy with being a good person. I'm able to look around, I'm able to look at other people, I'm a good person, life's good, I go all the way, uh, there's this judgment day, and God doesn't judge you on the basis of, oh, you're a good person, cool, I'm so excited, you are a good person. Come on in. <laughs> God's judgment is, did you step into the place of my glory? Now, what is the place of God's glory? And I call it partnership. Another word is sonship, daughtership. If you look at Romans 8.16, 8.15, which is a few verses after 8.2 that we're talking about, God invites us, he's, and we have this Abba Father. Well, now I'm not dealing with reflected light. Now I'm dealing directly with God. Now, which you think is going to produce better results? I don't even have to go out on a limb. We know that's the connecting with God for so sure. So if I'm doing reflected light, I can be a better person. I might even end my life with a eh, good person. God doesn't judge you according to good or bad. He judges you according to, did you do what I called you to do? And what God has called us to do is to partner with him. What God has called us to do is literally to directly receive from him and then pour that out into the people around me. So if I end my life having been a relatively good person, and I actually have been a relatively good person, how does that measure up on God's judgment day? And my answer is God will look at you and say, depart from me, you wicked person, because God doesn't judge the way we judge. He judges in a completely different way. I'm either under, I'm either directly under the law of spirit of, of, of life in Christ Jesus, or I'm under the law of sin and death. So I can end my life having been a relatively good person and having completely missed the will of God for my life. So how do we make sure we don't miss the will of God for our lives if we're in that place of we're just a good person, but we don't have that partnership? What's What's a way to do that? I know a lot of churches say, oh, just say the sinner's prayer and then you're good. But it's obviously a little bit more than that. What do we do? 
And that's where I love Romans 8, 15, 16, the Abba, Father. Uh, a lot of times people do it very much at what I call a doctrinal level where I try to convince you that, okay, there is a God. Okay, good. We agree there's a God and there's Jesus and he died on the cross for you. And if you just pray this prayer, you're good. I want a real connection. The law of the spirit of life. I've got to, I've got to get a real connection to where I'm drinking in life. If I'm not, the net effect on my life, I don't live any different. And if you go even farther into Romans, those whom he called, what happens? He justified. How's he justified? When you're walking with the Holy Spirit and the power of God is living through you, it elevates your works. God doesn't have to, on Judgment Day, he doesn't have to go, huh, I think you prayed the sinner's prayer so you're good. Literally, God can look out, and, and his life came to you and poured through you in a way where God's able to look at the devil and go, look at how my life worked through this person. Look at how this person touched this person and this person and this person. This person is justified. Now, they're not justified in this sense. None of us can pay for our own sins. So if Jesus wasn't there to pay for our sins, there's no justification. It's all over. But I'm going to take justification to a completely different place. When we connect with God and drink in his life, on judgment day, God's able to say the same thing he said about, look at my servant Job. He's going to say, look at my servant Matthew. Look at how he connected with me, drank in life, and his li my life was poured out on the people. He's good. Come on in. So on Judgment Day, I don't believe it's just a theological thing that happened that I intellectually accepted Christ. You're going to, God's going to say, well done. Isn't that scriptural? Well done, good and faithful servant. Why? You did what I wanted you to do. You lived in my glory. You lived this thing out. So there's an elevated life there. Well, when spiritual warfare comes, it starts to expose whether or not you're living in that elevated life or you're living over here as a good person who is borrowing from heritage and trying to make better choices. Now, can we live that elevated life and that connected life uh, without an intellectual belief in Jesus? I mean, is that actually possible, uh, or is that just folly? You, you really are making it difficult on me. That's the goal. <laughs> um, To fully follow Christ, it's a spirit, soul, and body encounter. So I'm really, and I always do, I'm emphasizing the spiritual part, which is that connection, that drinking in of life. But at the soulish level, which is, it, which is the mind and the will and the emotions, you can literally block what's happening at the spiritual man. So here I am, I have my Abba Father experience, but all of a sudden there's an offense and et cetera, and I'm, I'm experiencing, I believe that's what Hebrews 6 talks about, the, your tasting of the heavenly gift. But at some point, I look at that and my mind is like, no, I, I absolutely cannot believe in God. Your mind is able to shut down the work that God has started. Your emotions are, you, you, you go and... and the flow of bitterness is so deep, and that, that critical spirit is so deep that I just shut down the work of God. So to answer your question, yeah, some level, your mind's got to get involved. You've got to understand that it's God, that he's at work, that he's at work in your life, and you need to get into the word of God, and you need to study and 
So that conscious man, that conscious choice there, and part of you has to get involved and has to be a part of this whole picture. But the conscious man can't do it by himself. If all you've got is the conscious man and you're trying to think your way up to God, what does Isaiah 55 tell us? Uh, no, my ways are higher than your ways. You cannot elevate your thinking up to God. So if I'm trying to doctrine my way up and study my way up and I'm going to study so hard that I become an incredible man of God, I'm going to tell you good luck with that. You might want that infusion of life into your thinking to help grow your thinking as you're moving along the way. Well, and even just in the way that you said it, I'm going to do this. It's all that, that pride thing. Um, the reason that I kept pushing on that and making sure is because I know in this day and age of sound bites, people are going to take anything that somebody says and make it sound horrible. So I just wanted to make sure that if there was somebody out there was listening that maybe hasn't ever you know, accepted the Lord or hasn't, isn't walking that way, but at least they knew it is a whole picture. But it, from what you're saying, it really does sound like the mind doesn't have to be the first thing. It sounds like we can connect at a spiritual level first, and then the mind tends to follow. My belief, I, I, I don't know what else to say. God will start wherever. Um, but I, I think John 6, very clear, none of us can come to God unless the Father draws him. I actually believe it always starts at a spiritual level. Have to be a little careful with that because could God start more at a mind level? Whatever. He, he's God, okay? So I'm he can gonna, do as he pleases. I'm, I'm going to do that, but I don't think the mind would start thinking towards the thoughts that it needs to if the Spirit of God wasn't shaping that. That's my justification for it all starts at the spiritual level. That seems reasonable. If he's the one drawing us, then it makes sense. But the other part of that, which we haven't talked about, then comes down to the body. I've had that spiritual touch, mm -hmm. so then what happens? My mind, it's beginning to come along, but ultimately my body, you know, the old mule, digs in the feet, and it's like, I ain't moving. You know, I, I phrase that I use, it's not complete till it hits your feet. Even after your mind has agreed, you can't get your lips to move to pray the prayer. You, you can't humble yourself, do the actions, there's a level at which the body can absolutely shut things down. And we have to be willing, able to say, no, I, I got to get my body going the right direction. So all three layers are important. And that fits with James too, when he says that, you know, the works tend to follow because if you've already been affected in the spirit level, and then you're being affected in your body, you're going to start doing good things. But it's not the works that come first that make us saved, so to speak. So that's, I think that that's a nice wrap-up on your points there. We're going to wrap it up here, have a final set of questions, and then we'll finish it up after that. So the law of sin and death is at work in us, and there's times when we have enough spiritual heritage, we have enough spiritual authority, we have enough receiving going on, we're able to just choose good. And when we're able to choose good, we kind of get spoiled in that. But when push comes to shove, there's going to be wars coming against you to where you just can't choose it. And I think everybody's experienced that, where they know what they're supposed to do, 
just not able to get there. If you're not getting there, you need more of the law of the spirit of life. I need that drinking in. I need that receiving from God. And I need to get those layers. I need to get all that stuff inside of me cleaned up, filled up, made new. Then all of a sudden, now it set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm able to start moving where God wants me to move. It's just a powerful picture that to me is so much more spiritually accurate than the simple view of, well, just make a better choice. And people want to be good. They want to choose good. They want to be the ones that did it. Here's what Christianity says. You can't. You, on your own, don't have the power to choose me and to choose what I want for your life. Can we make some good choices? Yes. I freely admitted that. You can make many good choices, even enough to convince you that you're good. You're fine. You don't need God. You don't need anyone, anything. You can convince yourself of that. But in the end, anything that falls short of the glory of God, it's not what God wants for your life. You need that God feed. You need the law of the spirit of life in your life. That's how you overcome. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.